listening to the Infinity Festival Hollywood Podcast. I'm John Gaunt. The Infinity Festival Hollywood Podcast features top creators and technologists as they explore how to push storytelling to the next level. Now, these sessions from the 2021 Infinity Festival Hollywood are presented by Z by HP, NVIDIA, XLA, and co-presented by Qualcomm. The next edition of the Infinity Festival Hollywood will take place November 2nd through November 5th, 2022 in Hollywood's Vinyl District. Visit www.infinityfestival.com to learn more about this year's event. This show features Adi Shankar and Eric Geisler as they discuss the behind-the-scenes production of The Guardians of Justice for Netflix. Working during the pandemic forced the duo to adopt virtual production techniques and technologies fast, but in the process, they discovered clear advantages to combining geographically separate creative teams into a single asset management and workflow environment. Hey everyone, welcome back. Our next conversation is talking about using cloud workflows to produce the Guardians of Justice for Netflix. And I'm really excited to have with us Adi Shanker and Eric Geisler. Come on up. Hello, everybody. Um, Hi. <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the production of a show that we've been working on collectively together for several years called The Guardians of Justice. Several years, yeah. Um, about... About 13 years ago, uh, I got a phone call from a friend of mine. She was making a movie uh, with some friends of hers, um, and they needed help finishing the movie. And uh, that's how I met Addie, uh, and we've been friends ever since. And uh, he started uh, this project um, several years ago. It started off um, as a very ambitious, small little project that grew and grew and grew. And I'll let you talk a little bit more about that. Um, so when I first moved to Los Angeles and, and started engaging with the, the, the film business, I realized that it was more of a craft. There was like a craft and a business apparatus around it and a production apparatus around it. Um, you know, uh, and, and it made sense why it evolved that way. This isn't a, a knock, but there was like unions and, and, and rules and, and, and a time structure, which uh, resulted in a lot of uh, content getting made. Um, and it also forced the content to be somewhat similar because, again, like the same amount of time, the... Uh, the same schedule. Yeah, right? well, I mean, the construct yeah. of filmmaking, uh, it, it, you know, as a business, right, uh, means that you you have to do things a certain way. Totally, and it dictated the the art form, and it dictated the output. It it, it or or heavily influenced the output. Um, and then simultaneously, as I was working within the 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 confines within the ecosystem of Hollywood, um, I also started working uh, within YouTube. And I met all these like young filmmakers, uh, not young, I mean, like we were the same age on, on YouTube and they did things completely differently because they didn't follow any rules. They didn't, they didn't even know what the rules were sometimes. Um, and what it resulted in was the content looking and feeling and being completely different. Now it wasn't always good. 
It wasn't always great, but it was different. So what I was trying to do was um, take the discipline from the Hollywood apparatus, like the storytelling discipline, and cross-pollinate it with the new world, new, uh, new paradigm, what I thought was going to be the new paradigm, the new paradigm uh, construct of the YouTube digital uh, online uh, thing. And that didn't really work for a plethora of reasons. And then Eric came in and <laughs> uh, fixed everything. Well, yeah, so essentially this, this started off uh, as a smaller project. And then it grew from there because um, Addy was working with Netflix on uh, Castlevania and Castlevania started to explode on Netflix. Um, and then all of a sudden they were like, what else do you have? Uh, and this was one of the projects that, that he had. They were like, we would, we would love to, to have this be an original series. And, you know, I, I think subconsciously I was also working on uh, mentally, I was working on like four different projects at the same time. And they all merged together to to form this kind of like uh, like Voltron or or Voltron. I think that You're Robotech, like Robotech, yeah, yeah like one Robotech. of those one of those mech shows where there's like mini Zords and then they kind of form a giant, yeah, uh, massive Zord. massive Zord. Yeah. yeah. So that was uh, that was part of what was going on. Um, and as this was, you know, as we were working on this, I. I started reading about like newer, newer, bigger Hollywood productions. And I realized, oh, they're also shaking up how things are done. Also, like uh, I found out that the last Mission Impossible movie, Fallout, um, it was done without a script. Like, a lot of the big action scenes were just kind of plotted out. They shot the action and they were kind of were, were crafting it as they were making it. Um, again, this just speaks to the advent, uh, to the, the, the innovations, um, that digital technology uh, affords us as, as artists, right? Like yeah, so one of the things that we were doing in, in, in doing all of this is, um, and in the last half of it, so we're, we're getting to the point of the, the whole talk about, which is the cloud workflows and such, but what, what, happened, what happened in the production of this is we, you know, we, we had to embrace a lot of, um, for us were just a lot, a lot of different, barriers that we were running into because we didn't have like, um, like massive studio budgets. Um, and in doing so, you know, we had to kind of had to flex, our, you know, our creative, our creative muscle. And that was like way more, it, it was way more fun. Right. Cause I, at the earliest inception of this, I I'd visualized the, the massive studio budget version of it. Right. I, I knew who the cast had to be to get there. I, I, I knew what the runtime had to be to make it happen. And I kind of, I, I saw that I knew the business apparatus. I knew the foreign sales uh, paradigm to, to kind of cross that over into that, um, that world, that world, that box. And yeah, it, it just it didn't find it super appealing. So then we started to come up with very creative ideas to figure out, okay, how are we going to tell a story in different ways? Um, and we ended up embracing a lot of different mediums, uh, animation, claymation, um, paper animation, 
Uh, and, and we ended up with this, just this rich tapestry of mediums that ended up making probably one of the most unique looking shows that I've ever had a chance to work on. So with that, uh, we're gonna play a trailer for everybody so they get just a taste of this. And then we're gonna talk a little bit about our workflows and how we, we pulled this off. We eagerly await the 40th anniversary of the day Marvelous Man appeared from the sky. People of Earth, this is Marvelous Man. For four decades, I have protected and saved you. The world's on the brink of war. If you want some, come get some. I'm gonna bum the shit out of you! We need to hear from the Guardians of Justice. Where are you? Guardians. There's a power vacuum that can rip this world apart. We can't have that happen. Negotiations have spun out of control. I've been wanting to press these buttons for such a long time. No one will survive that! The only way this ends without an all-out nuclear holocaust is if you can find another way. What do you know that I don't? In a world of superheroes, alien technology and magic, never trust appearances. The Guardians of Justice will save you. So right in the middle of us uh, trying to complete this whole thing, the pandemic happened. And, and it just really, the pandemic was shutting everything down. Um, so we had to come up with like new and inventive ways. We had studios working um, in different countries on animation. We had uh, visual effects happening with a, a bunch of different vendors. And so we really had to figure out how to centralize all of this uh, and, and, and put it together in a way to get it all done. So we, we had to start embracing Zoom calls. Uh, we started having to embrace the idea of uh, like a, a centralized database. Um, we were using Shotgun for a centralized database uh, for all of the visual effects and, and the post uh, aspect of it. Uh, we also had uh, several companies. One of our VFX vendors was housing all of the shots uh, that we were working on and, and distributing those shots out via FTP and box technology to all the different other vendors. We were using um, Frame.io uh, to uh, to do a lot of a lot of the review. Um, and because we were doing a, a delivery, a Netflix delivery, of course we're doing it in 4K. We're also doing it in HDR. So so color and color accuracy was very important to us. Um, interestingly enough, uh, we found the most accurate way for people around the world to sort of judge color was was on a, uh, the latest and greatest iPads. So we would be looking at things on an iPad um, for color to, to judge color um, in a HDR environment. Luckily for us, uh, the folks at Frame.io uh, uh, turned on the HDR capabilities uh, of, of the review and approval tools that they had right in the middle of, of our production and that made things very handy. Um, we had mix facilities and sound designers who were working in different parts of the country. Um, a lot of things would happen either via Zoom or Google Hangouts and Google Meet. Um, we would have scheduling uh, that would happen via Google as well as other, uh, you know, cloud-based uh, workflows that we were using. And it all really... It became seamless, it, it, and I remember Addy telling me one day, he's like, "How is this even happening?" Like he, as a creator, he just had didn't even have to think about what's happening under the hood. Uh, 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it, 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 in the beginning, it was it was definitely rough. Um, things that took that should have taken like uh, two hours took like a week, which was <laughs> frustrating. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I mean, everything should be done like this. Yeah, because you think, I mean, you think you're. You, you start solving these problems out of uh, necessity because you, you, you have to figure out, okay, well, how are we going to communicate to these artists and, yeah. and turn things around? And, and I think uh, a point that Eric, Eric touched, uh, is touching on with, with like the mixed media aspect of it. Um, I'd always seen this show as a mixed media show, mixing as cross-pollinating as many mediums as possible uh, to create something visually arresting or seizure inducing, depending on, uh, your, uh, proclivity to input. Um, but as time went on, that just became super challenging because, uh, you know, I, I, I was working with an animation. So we were working with an animation studio, uh, in right. Spain, a claymation, uh, studio elsewhere. And it was just kind of all over the world. And it was all these assets and, you know, storing them, managing them, navigating them, putting them in a centralized location to to make sure that they they matched properly, uh, made everything exponentially more and more complicated. Um, and then I feel like the moment it shifted over into this sort of workflow, all of a sudden that became a lot easier too. Like yeah, 30, yeah we were, 30 steps became 10 steps. It was a lot easier to, you know, we, when we started to like synchronize everything, because we had different, different um, of our, some of our vendors were, were working overseas. So we would kind of have, we would see new shots in the morning and then Eddie and I would get on a Zoom call together. We would start making notes uh, and, and, and figure out what, you know, what we wanted to make changes on. Then we would get those notes out to all the artists and the vendors. Um, and then we would see, like the next day, we would see another iteration of everything coming in. And it really opened our eyes to the fact that you can do a collaborative workflow, especially a very post-heavy, post-visual effects heavy workflow. Uh, in this day and age, it's it's way easier to do, um, you know, and, and than you would have thought. And, and having the tools, you know, the tools have, have been there for a while. I think it just sort of took you know, the world having to make a huge change uh, in order to sort of kick everybody in the butt and, and make us all use the tools that that were there. And now that we've now that we've gone there, I, I don't I don't see how we ever go back. I don't see how that. Happened. And I feel like the to your point, the tools were there before they made, they sometimes didn't even like work well together. Right. That that was what was very confusing. Like I didn't. I mean, the amount of like weed transfer links I got that I just forgot to download and then they expired and then I'd have to like email, you know, like that kind of. Yeah. Once, I, once we started to sort of like, uh, pick our tool sets and, and sort of harmonize all of the, the workflows together, it, it really became very simple. Um, but it also became really very freeing because, you know, we were able to collaborate with dozens and dozens of artists all over the world. And instead of trying to like, you know, the old, the old mentality was let's go, let's find some good artists and let's bring them into a facility and, 
you know, give them lots of hot pockets and, and stuff so they can work all into the hours of the night. This was really, we were able to cast the right people to help us out. And, and Addy, the one thing that Addy's amazing at is like, he finds the most amazing talent. Um, and he finds them, you know, on Instagram and in social media and, 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 and in all different kinds of ways. And we were able to work with artists who, who were literally everywhere. And so you're casting from the entire world of who's the best for the job instead of, you know, trying to convince people to all come together in a room somewhere where you've got like a shared network to work on, on something. Now that shared network is literally a network in the cloud and you are working with, um, the right people that you've now cast, uh, and they're working at, at, at their pace. Um, and, and as long as you fold that in on the production side, you're really getting the best you could get out of an artist. Um, cause imagine, I mean, there's a lot of stresses that, that artists go through, especially in production because they're trying, you're trying to do art, you're trying to be creative, but you're also, you got a deadline and you've got a budget and you've got all these other constrictions. So, that really, I think, you know, this kind of a workflow, I think is going to lead to a, a lot more, uh, better art and, and, absolutely. And I think, I think it'll also, uh, allow people to create things that, um, pivot the medium or, or, or redefine the medium altogether, um, as well, just cause now you have the world at your fingertips you have every artist in the world at, at your fingertips and you don't have a workflow that is now uh, restricted by your immediate environment. I'll tell you a funny story. So we, uh, we made it into the can series this year for, we're in competition for, for series. And, um, a lot of, uh, the artists, the, the key artists had flown in. Um, and it was, a, it was the first time I ever met them in, in reality. And here was people that I had worked with for several years, uh, on a project. And the first time I, I, I ever met them in person was, was at a festival. Um, so that goes to show you that, uh, that technology works. It's here and, uh, it, it's ready. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, does anybody have any questions it, for us? Which weird is like, sorry. I, yeah, go ahead. Shoot. Well, I was just saying that like, I, I grew up with the internet sort of, right. I'm like 36. So th this is how I went about things. And it wasn't like, innovative in my mind. I was like, Oh, this is, you, this is what you do. You like go online, you meet people and then you work with them. Yeah. And then I only realized like, as it was going on that, uh, Oh, that's like not how you normally do it. You like, you know, walk around Hollywood and you're like, Oh, you know, anyways. Yeah. You don't get a lot of artists from DMing people, <laughs> yeah. but, but, uh, go ahead. I just walk me through like your stack was like, let's say you're working with an artist and they're creating a video or whatever asset, and then you uploaded it to what platform, and then you use FrameIO. Yeah, sure. So, so we had a, a collaborative cloud environment um, that that was based on an FTP front end that people would upload um, the the high res assets to. Low res assets were delivered through FrameIO for the most part, uh, and they would we would give them a package of 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 what the shot was. Um, they had access to to review a portion of it in the edit, so they would look at their their the the before and the after, so they could get a, a context of continuity. 
Um, and then it was pretty software agnostic. It, they could use whatever software, you know, was their superpower. So if they were like a Cinema 4D artist, use Cinema 4D. If they were a Maya person, they were using Maya. Um, that the the whole the holistic point for us was um, this is these shots uh, belong to you, and uh, as long as they fit within a, a creative criteria, uh, you know, f use whatever you want. And some some artists were using Blender. Some artists were using Cinema 4D. Some artists were using 3D Studio Max and Maya. Um, on the on the claymation side, um, you know, we would give them sequences. They would design their sequences. Um, we would do storyboards. We used like uh, Storyboard Pro and a couple other little software pieces, and we would send them out storyboards, and then they would come back to us um, as finished pieces that we would then drop into our cut. Um, the cuts were done uh, primarily using the Adobe Suite, so we were using uh, uh, Premiere. Uh, we had a, a cloud-based Premiere project, so we had a couple of editors that were working simultaneously on it, and we would get we would receive footage uh, in, in low resolution up on the frame I/O, and high resolution would, would come to us uh, in into our servers, and that was primarily how the whole thing was put together. Yes, uh, mind-blowing trailer. Oh, thank you. Really oh, awesome. Uh, so you have a huge palette of different types of animation, mm -hmm. claymation, yes. different effects. Um, just, just seeing the trailer, did you have specific concepts in mind for different characters and then that palette was assigned to that character and whether or not they interacted with each other? Uh, no, 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 no. It, it, not, uh, that's a great question, but no. Um, that's a little bit. So, so like there's a, there's a particular character that his story is all told through paper animation. Yes. And yeah. A little bit. So sometimes it's used for point of view. That's absolutely right. correct. But, um, you know, I think on just like a macro level, it, this, this isn't an, it, this is not an anthology series. Um, all the mediums blend together throughout. <laughs> Well, like Marvelous Man, Marvelous Man's live action, we see him as, as, a, as a cartoon, right, right. And then sometimes cartoons in live action. Exactly, yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, you're just riffing? No, 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 there's, there's a methodology and a language to it, but it was not based around the characters. It was, it was yeah, yeah, yeah. It was based around uh, the, emotional, the right. uh, emotional cues yeah. and story beats. Um, and I think we're out of time, but... Uh, so if you had a challenge of shooting something in live action for the emotional, you know, it's part of the script, did you say, okay, well, I can't do that in live action, I'm going to do it on animation? Sort of, sort of, but uh, not in like a limiting way, because I don't, I didn't view live action as like, oh, if I can't do it in live action, then I will, I will find animation, I guess we can do it in, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. Um, um, I mean, to me, the... This is how kind of like my mind my mind works. So when I have uh, memories, a lot of times, sometimes they're they're in cartoons, sometimes they're they're uh, just kind of hyper real. Sometimes they're quote photorealistic live action, but in this kind of hyper reality. Uh, and I didn't realize that that's not how it worked for everybody. We al we also found that like it was a different it was a tone like tonally when somebody's bashing somebody's head in and blood is squirting all over the place when it happens with a paper animation 
it's a little bit of a different tone than when you do that in live action. So there was definitely thought that went into what's the tone of this. And you'll notice um, when you get to see it that uh, that was all done on purpose. So, And, and just before I wrap up, um, as, as one footnote to all of this, right? Um, claymation is technically animation. But the human eye does not register it as animation. The human eye registers it as live action because it's photographed, right? So claymation ends up being like this glue that holds all of it together. So it's not just jumping between, oh, live action. And then, oh, we couldn't film this big explosion. So we turned into animation. That's not uh, at, at all um, what the, uh, the methodology was. It was supposed to be endlessly chaotic and jarring to watch because that's ultimately what the show's about. It's about, it's about chaos and claymation ends up being this glue, this spinal structure that holds all the mediums together because it is the perfect marriage between all of them. Thank you guys very much. This has been the infinity festival, Hollywood podcast, a production of the infinity festival, Hollywood and the augmented city. You can find us on all major podcasting platforms and our website, infinityfestival.com. That's one word, infinityfestival.com. And there you'll find a full schedule, speakers, and map of this year's festival. We want to thank our presenting sponsors, Z by HP, NVIDIA, XLA, and our co-presenter Qualcomm for their support of this audio series. I'm John Gaunt inviting you to Hollywood's Vinyl District this November for the Infinity Festival Hollywood 2022. Thanks for listening.